There are fewer than 30 men in the world qualified to drive Formula One. A mere half dozen, perhaps, to win. At this moment, I'm inclined to think you're not one of them. Hello, this is Desiree for F1Weekly.com. I'm your in-depth correspondent. Let's go. Welcome to F1Weekly.com. My name is Clark Rogers. I'm the host of the program. I'll be joined by Nasser Hamid, my co-host. This is podcast number 973, January 9th. 2023, Nasser. Thank you, sir. I say, like a man in San Quentin, I am counting the days when the door will open to the 2023 Formula One Grand Prix season and the day when we will see a Cadillac Eldorado in Monaco Grand Prix. We shall explain gladly. Now back to Mr. Rogers, the Chief Correction Officer at F1 Weekly. Thank you, Nasser. On today's program, Michel Ferté, gone at 64. Andretti, bring Cadillac to the table, and yet, Toto not impressed as he continues to heap praise on you-know-who. Nasser Altia remains in the lead for Dakar as they go into their halftime break. And... I have to say it, but number three has a completely different meaning now nationwide. And just a reminder, we need your order. Your Motorsports Memories 2023 Formula One calendar cross-town traffic. Just click on the F1 Weekly merchandise page. You know, you'll want to. And I must mention that we do need your contributions to keep this program up on the servers. Just click on the Support F1 Weekly tab. You know you want to. Nas, welcome to the studio. How are you? I am doing very good, sir. Thank you. How is the Duke of Dijon doing? The Dijon is flowing. The Merguez are on the Barbie, and uh, we're having a hell of a nice January a wet January, which is great for California because, as everybody knows, it's pretty much a drought every year. So it's coming in, and it's coming in hard. Well, look at the bright side, Mr. Rogers. Less than 60 days to the season opener. Michael Andretti is going Formula One Caddyshack style. Powered by Honda, what is this world coming to? Now, this is great news for American motorsports and Formula One in the U.S. of A. Let's hope having an automotive behemoth behind them will help the Andretti team get a berth in Formula One. The difference between this and USF1 is night and day. The name Andretti is synonymous with success on and off the track. Formula One should be proud of such a name among the teams. But as you know, Mr. Rogers, what they say on Wall Street, Greed only grows. It is absolutely pathetic. Some top teams are not keen on Andretti and 
entry as it will reduce their share of the pie. Toto Wolf is the cheerleader of this group and he's also joined by Mr. Gunther Steiner, like he has nothing better to do. Now, Mr. Uh, Mohammed bin Sulaim, president of FIA, expressed his view that the Andretti Cadillac application was only a positive thing for Formula One, and I totally agree with him. He said, and I quote, It is surprising that there has been some adverse reaction to the Cadillac and Andretti news. The FIA has accepted smaller, successful organizations in recent years. We should be encouraging prospective F1 entries from global manufacturers like GM and thoroughbred races like Andretti and others. Interest from teams in growth market adds diversity and broadens F1's appeal. Now, the head of Cadillac Racing or some senior executive at GM said, his name is Mr. Ross, R-E-U-S-S, that they have secured a power plant and word on the street it is it is provided by will be provided by Honda and badged as Cadillac. This may sound strange, but stranger things have happened in Formula One. Now not too long ago, Honda and GM signed an agreement to collaborate on electric vehicles and Michael's IndyCar team is powered by Honda. And this uh, Honda GM electric uh, venture is a very high dollar amount and long-term program. So I think this is good for both sides. But all we need now, apart from the approval from FIA and Formula One, what we need is Austrian company BWT to sponsor the Andretti team so we can see Marco cruising down Eau Rouge in his pink Cadillac. Pink Cadillac. Your thoughts on this deal, sir, and also the uh, resistance from Toto and his wolf pack. Well, yes, Toto is the full-blown resistance. You know, I, I think there's just an anti-Americanistic thing. I don't care about Haas. Gunther brings so much Northern Italy goodness that it counteracts the Americanism there. But I know Toto Wolf did send Michael Andretti two one-way tickets on the Concorde and a chinchilla coat just to tell him, go home, Yankee. So I'm telling you, I, I think it's bizarre, but maybe they're still thinking about 1991. I don't know, but it is bizarre, the anti-Andretti-ism up and down the paddock. And I think it goes way beyond the dilution of funds for each team with one more team coming to the table. I mean, we're all big boys, and I think they could handle that. And the $200 million, which is $20 million per team, isn't bad. It's, it'll pay for the tapas over at Aston Martin while they're cheering up Fernando. So I don't know. I think the whole thing is bizarre. And Mr. Mohamed Sulayem agrees with me. He thinks it's a little out there, but there's a lot of deep-seated issues and not only that, but Toto, I think he thinks that he owns F1, him and, of course, LCH. Well, you know, it's all down to money, and that's what anything and everything this day and age is all about. The thing that bothers me is that the money is paid based on the points you score, and it's going to take any new team a few years to, you know, rattle the cage of big boys. And even then... 
The problem here for Michael Andretti is he cannot get an entry unless it's approved by both Formula 1 and FIA. Okay, so whether you like Toto or not, somehow he has to be convinced. But they can rework the formula, how the money is paid. What they are trying to do, which I dislike even more, now they're saying, oh, 200 million is uh, not enough. They want the new entrants to come up with 500 million, which is half a billion dollars. Are these people, what are, what are they smoking at uh, in Austria these days? That's what I would like to know. So I think this is not good. We should, this is a very solid player. You know, I was reading that General Motors annual sales are over, um, it's like $120 billion. And I think it's almost a double of Renault. Okay, so this is a major player coming into uh, play, uh, coming from a very large commercial market with a, a name that was Formula One world champion. This is not Ken Anderson and uh, Billy Bob from North Carolina coming. So they should really find a way to get this thing resolved. This is win, 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 win for all sides. And I would love to see Michael Andretti get this deal because, you know, Mario Andretti, man, if you ever meet this guy, I'm telling you, you're going to feel that you're talking to a 14-year-old kid uh, in a candy shop when you talk to him about Formula 1. I remember many years ago I met him. At, he did a brief interview at Laguna Seca and... He said to me, Formula One is my ultimate passion, always has been, always will be. And I'm like, man, slow down, you're world champion, you won everything. So I would like to see Michael get this thing in Mario Andretti's lifetime. You know, he's um, 82 years old now. And so this is something that I would really like to see happen. Let's see how it works out. They're hoping that Audi will come in. They, they, they would rather see Audi. They're already coming in through Sauber. So I don't know... What else they want? I think Formula One should have two more teams, 24 cars. And, you know, if there are some tracks, Monaco, for example, if they, you have to do pre-qualifying just to get on the grid like it used to be, so be it. We need more action, more teams. You know, when you have big team, big, the, the best thing about any racing series, whether it's um, World Touring Cars or Trans Am in the USA, when a big company gets involved, especially a manufacturer, apart from the technical know-how and the budget, they want to win. So they bring in some good drivers. So we, this is, this. I, I don't see anything wrong with this uh, unless people want to be super uber greedy despite having a billion dollar investment portfolio. And most of these people, as you know, Mr. Rogers, whatever portfolio they have, one billion or 10 billion, most of us is tax-free. Know what I'm saying? I do know what you're saying, brother. And it is brutal, but hey, if it was easy, it wouldn't be Formula One. So we'll, we'll see what happens. I mean, I think they will get in eventually. But I don't think there's going to be a lot of hugging and kissing between Toto and Michael and Vassar. And it's going to be bizarre. And I think they're hoping that he gets discouraged, but there it is. It is what it is. We'll just have to see what happens down on the bayou. Yeah, and this really proves the point uh, that Joe Sabert once wrote in his column many years ago, that Formula One teams cannot agree what day of the week it is, let alone on a budget issue or something like this. But, you know, another positive aspect of this is monkey see, monkey do. 
whatever GM does, Ford will do the same sooner or later. There are already rumors taking off from Detroit airport that Ford will replace Honda as engine supplier at Red Bull or be involved in some other way. And you know, news came out, some which was very, very surprising because Ford is not even in IndyCar racing that Ford may want to go back to uh, uh, Formula One. And you know, Formula One has become, if they can crack the American market, which they pretty much have, thanks to Netflix, this is just, uh, this is this thing is going to be as big as uh, football, you know, World Cup football type deal. You know who the biggest loser is from all this success of Formula One in the U.S. IndyCar racing. I mean, they were no nowhere near NASCAR anyway. And now I just heard somebody mention that Formula One TV ratings are now the same as IndyCars, which is nothing to crow about. But considering where it used to be historically, this is very impressive. If IndyCar racing ratings go below Formula One on a year-on-year basis, then that's very, very bad for that series, despite being owned by Mr. Business Extraordinaire, Mr. Roger Penske. So, so like you said, we'll have to see what time will bring. Okay. And, sir, moving on, speaking of airports, next we have cleared for takeoff in a 707. We all know John Travolta has his own Boeing 707, he has now company. Machismo, your Dios, will be traveling in style during the week, whether he's in Oviedo or Monaco. The two-time world champion has taken delivery of a 294000 DBX, $294,000 DBX 707, which is Aston Martin's luxury SUV that has a 4-liter twin-turbo Mercedes V8 engine with 700 horsepower taking Machismo to a top speed of 196 miles per hour. Now I wonder if the Mercedes engine was personally inspected by his one-time teammate. Who could that be? Fisico or El Ziejo? Now John Travolta 707 is in contest colors and is parked not too far from Tampa. Florida, I think he's in a town called Ocala or Ocala, which is about 80 miles from here. Now, I would like to see Machismo paint his 707 in jet blue color so we can reminisce about the days of mild blue and Captain Flavio calling out to his light interior, Bravo, bravo. Would you like to take a ride in this uh, SUV with Machismo someday? Absolutely. It'd be really exciting and wonderful. You know what he can do whenever he retires, whenever that happens, maybe he can drive this car as the pace car. Then he can say, see, I beat Lewis every race. <laughs> Sorry, but had to say that. We love Fernando Alonso, that's for sure. Have we covered, have we mentioned any other driver's name more than his name? Maybe Rubinho. Yeah, that's true. That's true. That's very possible. Okay, sir, good news for those going to the British Grand Prix. Now they can stay at the Hilton Garden Inn by the trackside, recently opened. It is located, check this out, located on Hamilton Strait. Just don't expect room service by Paris Hilton. That's the only drawback. You know, there is a track, um, I mean, not, not the track, there is a hotel right by the front straight at the Nürburgring also. And I just wonder how much they charge uh, during a Grand Prix uh, weekend. And of course, 
the track goes in front of the Abu Dhabi um, hotel also, which is very, very impressive. Any interest in going to the Abu Dhabi Grand Prix one day and see the make-believe nature of that place? Not really, sir. I have to admit, it's not one of my number one destinations. What's your number one destination? Manicure? <laughs> you mean Manicure, where the manure is so fresh and wonderful? You know, um, have you been to that track? Manicure? Uh-huh. I think I have, yes. Really? Did you ever attend uh, any of the French Grand Prix? No, sir. I have never been to that track. It will be interesting to see it. Okay, sir, now we move on to the most important issue that we talked at the top of the show. Money departing Maranello. According to a st story on RacingNews365.com by Dieter Renkin, Ferrari faces a hole of $55 million in its sponsored portfolio after splitting with two premium partners. The companies involved are crypto company Velas. Their name was on the rear wing of red, red cars last season. The second company is chip maker Snapdragon, which is owned by San Diego-based Qualcomm. Estimated dollar value of Vela sponsorship was $30 million every year, and Snapdragon's deal was $25 million in the form of cash and technical support. And you know, Mr. Dieter Rankin, he is originally from South Africa and lives in Belgium. I've met him a few times, very knowledgeable, and he's a very good, credible investigative uh, journalist, racing journalist. And I listen to him, especially on the, uh, uh, when he's doing the, uh, when they do the team principal conference, press conferences every weekend on a Friday, he comes up with some very interesting, uh, deep dish, uh, questions for the team principals. And I've seen sometime even they are surprised, you know, how much this guy knows. So very impressive. Now, Mr. Rogers, as you know, you know what they say about money, headaches with comfort when you have it, headaches with crunchy tacos when you don't have it. It's time to ring the bell on the next item. And that's Amore. Now, Ferrari will present its 2023 car on Valentine's Day, February 14th. But they have not revealed the location. It could be online for all I know. February 11 is the launch date for the Alpha Tauri uh, team in New York City. And I, I think I mentioned last week I sent an email to the PR people, see if their two wonderful drivers are available for interview. And if they can respond to me, because February 11th is like 30 days away, if they can let me know by by the end of this week, if it's possible, then I'll go. I don't want them sending me an email on 9th of February. Oh, see you day after tomorrow. So that's not going to work. But we'll see. And, okay, two teams are, they've chosen, as if teams have not learned a lesson from Mercedes W13, two teams are launching their cars on February 13. Aston Martin and McLaren. And your uh, team... No, Alonso has left uh, Alpine, but the Alpine will be on the 16th of February in London town. And speaking of these things, Mr. Rogers, Red Bull will run an F1 car, I don't know which year, at the um, Australian Mount Panorama circuit during the Bathurst 12-hour race weekend uh, next month. So that uh, should be very, very interesting. Um, are you looking, uh, are you expecting any surprises in the designs of car uh, for 2023, sir? I mean, visually very few, 
because we're still on the 2020 new design, 2022 car. This continues, but there are differences in the floor. The floors have been changed quite a bit. And there are a few, of course, knickknacks. Front wings will change a little bit. There are some rules that were outlawed from last year, like the bizarre rear wing on the Aston Martin at the end of 2022 that is deemed illegal. So that will go away. But to the naked eye, to a layman, you know, Bob drinking a Pabst Blue Ribbon won't be able to tell a thing. I would like to see some new paint scheme. Obviously, I'm pretty sure Alpha Tari will have something different uh, paint scheme, so that should be good. And what else could be there? Um, yeah. Oh, I was going to ask you, do you think Mercedes will con continue with their uh, zero side port? Wonderful idea they had. Yes, apparently their whole lives now revolve around zero side pods. <laughs> and I could comment and take it, and kick it up a notch, but I'm not. I'm going to be politically correct and hold it all inside my gut. Yeah, not a bad idea sometimes. Well, I'll tell you, they came on pretty strong, and uh, George Russell getting his first victory was very, very impressive. So let's hope they have uh, rediscovered their mojo, because if we can have four or five drivers, I mean, really go, can you imagine having a championship where there are four drivers have a, within six points of each other going into the final round. Boy, that'll be something. It would be exciting. And I wonder if it'll be like 2022 or 2021 where Max only crashes with LCH and not with Leclerc. Hmm. Interesting. It is. He found, he found it interesting. He questioned that, that what's going on there. It's fascinating. And we're all going to be on pins and needles. I have an idea. If Max and Lewis crash into each other in the final season finale in Abu Dhabi, and turns out Lewis Hamilton is the world champion, Toto can call uh, Yoss and say, Yoss, it's called a melter race. You know what they say, what goes around comes around, also known as karma. I hear her. She's, she's walking into the room. Lady Luck has arrived. Exactly. And speaking of Lady Luck, do you know the name of the movie that has come out about Bernie Ecclestone? <laughs> Thank you very much. What is it, Carla? I can't remember. It starts at L. <laughs> Lucky. Yeah, of course. It's, 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 it's trending right now. Yeah, very much so. Yes, it's fascinating. All of a sudden, huh. Who is that lady? Yes. Yep. Hopefully she'll be driving a Aston Martin, but you never know. She's a little finicky sometimes. Yes. So anyway, you know, on that note, I'm a little thirsty. So why don't we take a quick break and we'll be back after these brief messages. Welcome back to F1Weekly.com. Clark Rogers here, your host. And now, as we spin the globe and go around the world with Motorsports Mondial and the king, the sultan himself, Nasser Hamid.
Thank you, sir. And sir, um, before we get into the nitty-gritty of Motorsports Mondial, I have one more question about Nando. What do you think will happen to him if he finds out that, for whatever reason, Lance Stoll is faster than him? Well, that would mean that the tectonic plates have shifted and we're all going to die. I, I don't think that could ever happen. It, I mean, have you seen? It's el machismo. So, I'm sorry. Uh, it's not going to happen, but they might crash into each other a couple of times. Yes, and speaking of Alonso, I would like to say that his ex-teammate just past few days ago turned 38 years old. So, uh, who knows, both of these guys might be members of AARP and still racing in GP. Time will tell. Okay, sir, now we go back to normal uh, programming. Last week, unfortunately, we had two drivers passing away. The death of Ken Block in a snowmobile accident in Utah was a big, big shock. I, I could not believe when I saw that. And man, what a name he made for himself with his Jim Hanna videos and other stunts he pulled off. This is how I gauge the success of a sports person. When people don't follow your sport and still know who you are, you are making an impact. He was definitely one of them. I once saw his video of doing donuts on the deck of an aircraft carrier. Man, it was very, very scary and very impressive. Uh, he was uh, 55 years old and um, he was also successful in business. He founded the DC Shoes Company, which was later um, sold to Quicksilver. Fellow racers paid tribute to Blanc uh, with Jensen Button calling him a talent that did so much for our sport. Another driver said, and I quote, I'm devastated to hear of Ken Block's passing. He was such an amazing person, always lived life to the fullest. I remember our first time working together and how positive he was. So much talent behind the wheel. Years ago, we had an amazing time heli-skiing and snowboarding in Canada. We had so much respect for one another, end quote. And these words come from a driver who has 11 more wins than Michael Schumacher, if you are new to Formula One, that would be Lewis Hamilton, the real machismo. A block is survived by his wife Lucy and daughter Leah, and our condolences to the Block family and his friends. And so the other gentleman passed away. You mentioned Michel Ferte. He was a French racing driver and died at the age of 64. His death was announced by the organizers of Le Mans, the ACO, but cause of death was not disclosed. Apparently, he had some sort of illness that was going on. Ferte finished second at Le Mans in 1991 with American Davy Jones and Brazilian Raul Boisel, and this was the year the race was won by a Rotary Mazda. He was third in the 1984 um, Formula 2 Championship in 1983. He won the French Formula 3 Championship and the prestigious Monaco Formula 3 race to make it three in a row for the Ferte family as his older brother Alain won the race back-to-back -back in 1981 and 82. Michel was stressed over for Ligier during the 1984-85 season but never raced in Formula 1. And again, our condolences to his family and friends. Anything you want to say on these two gentlemen, sir? Yeah, uh, losing Ken Block was extremely shocking. Being young and so active 
with his sport and what he did. And like you said, great businessman, represented America and WRC. I mean, he could do it all, but a very great rally driver. It's very, very sad, very uh, terrible. And of course, Michel Ferté, a classic French dude, never made it to F1, but his Le Mans activities and F3, F2 was, was exciting. And uh, once again, we keep losing these people. Yeah, that's very, very sad. And sir, looking into the future, last week, a five-year-old with racing pedigree made his motorsports debut at an indoor karting facility in Monaco. Ladies and gentlemen, please keep an eye out for Jack Wolf, Bambino of Toto and Susie Wolf. Now, sir, if you are interested in adding to your collection of fine cars, your favorite Sebastian Vitel is selling a car uh, from his private collection for a cool, which would be Trump change for you, about $250,000. The car is a Nissan GTR Black Edition, and I think it has less than 90 miles on it. So if you're interested, you know, send him a text message. Don't send him a letter, you know, save the planet, send him a text message. Okay, sir, next we come to our public service message, recommended reading, in-depth look at the sponsorship shenanigans between Williams and Rocket on racefans.net. And Dieter Rankin writes for racefans.net. The headline of the story is why a former Williams sponsor was told to pay the team 26 million British pounds. And I still would like to know why this uh, lawsuit was brought to California. Nothing against that, of course, but just, you know, kind of strange. It's like taking an IndyCar lawsuit to Tokyo, Japan for settlement. Okay, sir, now we come to our Johnny Mathis moment. I'm on the outside looking in. And, sir, speaking of Johnny Mathis, I'm very pleased to say that after my arrival in the US of A in January 1985. Have you been to these concerts at Mountain View Amphitheater? Yeah, sir. Are they still going on? Yeah, sir. I went there to see my first concert, and it was Johnny Mathis. And my second concert was Hollow Notes. So that was very interesting back in the day. Okay, sir, so this segment is called on I'm on the Outside Looking In where we feature some very exciting and talented young drivers who are knocking on heaven's door, heaven in this case being the promised land of Formula One. Here's a look at top five who have what it takes, but only time will tell if they do what they do at UPS, deliver, so we don't have to put a tracer on their career. We'll start with, there's not, this is not in any order, uh, so we'll start with Jack Doohan. Mr. Rogers, back in 2000. 12. When Max, Rus- Max, George Russell, Charles Leclerc came to Vegas for some karting fun, Jack was also there. I did not meet him, but took the opportunity to have a brief chat with this Papito, MotoGP grade Mick Doohan. Jack is 19 years old and will be in his second year of Formula 2 competition in 2023. He has three wins in this series. He was fifth in the 2018 British Formula 4 Championship. The following year, he took part in two championships, finishing second in the Asian Formula 3 and 11th in the Spanish-based Euro Formula Open, 
in 2020 and 21 he raced, he raced in european formula 3 championship finishing second with four wins jack is part of alpine driver academy previously he was in the red bull program you know he came on very strong in the second half of his rookie season of formula 2 so i do expect him to mount a huge um, challenge in the uh, series this year formula 2 the other is your homeboy theo porsche i really expected him and another kid we will talk about a little later to um, win the championship theo porsche is a young guy I think he's 19 years old right now, and he's in the Alfa Romeo Sauber Development Program. He also will be in his second year of Formula 2, and Frederick Wesser is very high on him. And I think this kid is very, very talented. It's just a matter of putting it all together. Now we come to Isaac Hedjar. Back in the day, we had a French-Algerian driver, Guy Moore who famously won the 1934 Monaco Grand Prix for Scuderia Ferrari. Today we have Algerian French driver Isaac Hedjar. He is also very talented and flying high on the wings of Red Bull. Last year he won three races in the European Formula 3 Championship and finished fourth. In 2021 he raced in Formula Regional and took victory in the streets of Monte Carlo. In 2020, he was third in the French Formula 4 Championship. Isaac is 18 years old and his agenda for 2023 is Formula 2, but the good Austrian doctor has not yet issued his prescription for which team Monsieur Hedjar will drive for. Now we come to Victor Martin. He is also from the land of Paul Rica and Matra. His papito is originally from Portugal. Victor is 21 years old and was karting world champion in 2016. He was second in the 2017 French Formula 4 series. He then raced in Formula Renault Euro Cup for two seasons, finishing in second place in his second year and winning the championship in his third year, like Nick de Vries. Last year, Victor won the European F3 Championship with two wins and then did a three-day postseason test with Formula 2 team ART Grand Prix and confirmation of his seat in F2 is pending. Now we come to a driver who really should have won the GP2 Formula 2 Championship last year, Liam Lawson. I think this is the most talented young driver knocking on the door of Formula 1 today. He could be the next big thing from New Zealand since the days of Bruce McLaren, Denny Holm and Chris Amon. But that's what I said about Marcus Armstrong also. I certainly hope Liam keeps me above water. He won his first Formula 2 race on debut. Almost won the DTM championship in his first year losing out in the final race with shades of um, Adelaide 1994. As we have seen, not all budding careers are sweetened through the ages like wine. Here's looking at you, kid, Romain Grosjean, Nico Hulkenberg. Speaking of Romain Grosjean, the Dante survivor gets the credit for today's famous last words. Everybody's talking about your machismo, he said, and I quote, Fernando Alonso will drive this team a lot. He's a fantastic driver who knows how to motivate his team. The only danger there, if the car isn't fast enough, Fernando can get angry. End quote. All I can say to the Dante survivor, tell me more, tell me more. 
Do you agree with Mr. Romain Grosjean, sir? Yes. The only thing he did not say is, what happens if his teammate is faster than him? And I have to agree with you, I cannot expect, I don't expect Lance Stroll to be faster than Fernando Alonso throughout the season. I mean, here and there he might beat him, but it's not going to happen. But I'm going to tell you, man, you know, Fernando Alonso has stepped on quite a few toes. I think the blue leather suede shoes of Mr. Lawrence Stroll, he better stay away from those shoes. What say you? I think if the car is good, it's going, to, it's going to be exciting. It's going to be fun for everyone. And they're saying no more copying. They got a $200 million little little factory going now. So it's looking really good. I think maybe the timing bug has been whipped. That's it. Nope. I think it I think we should cut it right there. Take it easy, relax. Yeah, we'll find out very quickly. Okay, so now we come to our musical mondial. Once upon a time in America there was a book called On a Clear Day You Can See General Motors. Maybe one day we will see them in Formula One. Here is a little musical tribute as they and Michael and Reddy race towards the piranha pool. We welcome another hallmark of quality from Detroit, Mr. Bob Seeger, to the Palatial Studios. Thank you for listening and please enjoy. can listen to the engine moaning out as one old song You can think about the woman or the girl you knew the night before But your thoughts will soon be wandering the way they always do When you're riding 16 hours and there's nothing much to do and you don't feel much like riding You just wish the trip was through mm. See, here I am On the road again There I am Up on the stage Here I go Playing star again there I go, turn the page. 